Hello there. Welcome to episode eight of Kiss My Arts. Um, today, uh, Hurricane Ophelia is on its way, apparently. Um, we've just been out for uh, an evening stroll down to the beach and everything was looking very kind of strange and orange and spooky and, uh, yeah, very moody and dramatic around the coast today. But now we are back home. Um, tucked up safely because uh, the wind is whipping up out there so um, yeah hopefully there'll be not too many trees and things going down around us um, tonight. Um, Ella's just gone to bed so she's not here I'm afraid well she's just over there but she's uh, she's sleeping. Um, so episode eight is with uh, Hanabiel Saunders um, and uh, we had a lovely conversation Hannah Biel is a musician. Um, she plays trombone and drums and is part of um, a duo called Ladies of Midnight Blue and also plays with um, a bigger band as well. Uh, she's just finished her PhD in, I can't remember exactly the title, but it's something to do with um, bringing together people through music in terms of uh, social change and kind of political agenda. Um, so she talks a little bit about that in this conversation. Um, we talk a bit about uh, her journey to being an activist. Um, we talk about meat for a while, um, whether we should be eating meat or not. Um, we talk about how she met um, Gilis, her partner, and uh, how their love story occurred, which was lovely. I've known them for a while and, and didn't know the their love story. So that was wonderful to find out. Um, in this episode as well, Ella uh, has just learned to scream a few days before um, we had this conversation. So this is a kind of a little warning that there's a few <laughs> incredibly high-pitched moments that you might not be expecting that are a little bit hard on the ears. Um, so she's been experimenting with her voice a lot recently and uh, and she does so through our conversation. Um, she's, she's very much wanting to be heard and uh, she is heard. <laughs> so yeah, just to warn you, there's a few moments where you might kind of uh, want to turn the volume down or, um, or you yeah, get a bit of a shock. Um, so I hope you enjoy this conversation. It goes on for longer than usual because we just didn't stop. It we, we just were going and going and then we just had no idea about the time. Um, but I think you'll agree it's a really interesting conversation and um, she's got a lot of great things to say. So I haven't edited it. It is all there. So enjoy um, and we'll see you next time. Bye. think I ever consider myself an activist until I met Vicky White um, 
who was a resident of Highland Park for many years, and she is a big activist in an organization called POP, People's Organization for Progress. Yeah. And prior to that, I was just <laughs> regular music student trying to figure out what to do. And it was, and I met her because of the whole unnatural disaster of Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans and the unnatural, you know, the the aftermath after that event. And um, I think it was the 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 media being on the ground and shooting live, you know, from the scene, from the center of it, Mm. and they're just like, "We need help! We need help!" and you know, and and other news stations like you know the second station they're trying to like contact government officials and the government officials are just like oh oh we don't we had no idea that's happening and the news ca- news folks are like well what do you mean like we have people on the ground look you know like this yeah, is, yeah. And they're like oh we weren't aware of this and that and they're just so detached yeah, yeah, yeah. you know kind of like right now with Puerto Rico needing yeah. you know loads of help after that hurricane and how and we how close were you living to New Orleans? Oh, far, far, okay. <laughs> the dirty south. <laughs> and then uh, New Jersey is like right by New York City, so okay. it's really far away. Yeah. Um, but I think it was just really real because the majority of the people that, that were trapped in the city were poor. Mm. You know, some working class, but mostly poor people, and tourists. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, poor blacks and whites, but mo- majority African Americans, yeah. um, and and just seeing that happen, and then also like listening to hi um, WBAI Amy Goodman when her shoes fell. Oh, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's oh, well. sleepy. Are you tired? And uh, let's have some milk while we talk. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um. And then we were listening to like like lots of like WJI on the on the you know just driving to work listening to the radio, and they're talking about the convicts and like I was like okay well yeah sure it's difficult for normal people to get out of the city because they have most folks were like leave just everybody leave but then I didn't even consider like oh actually some people don't have a another place to go and b transportation to get somewhere and it's just a bit difficult for them to just quickly the last minute get all their stuff and get out of town um and i guess some people stayed because there was you know they just like oh well we, we could weather the storm and i think they mostly weathered the storm it was the levees breaking which was the big disaster yeah uh, so that was really intense, and it, it, this was really crazy when you saw like the, the the shots showing like there's like loads of school buses and stuff that could have been used to help evacuate, just sitting in just parked. They're like, oh, let's get school buses, and they're like, oh, we don't have access, you know, like all this bureaucratic. Well, we can't. Yeah. So the all the school buses end up flooding, and it was oh crazy. God. It was crazy, and I was just like, whoa. That could have happened to us, you know. Yeah. Like this could have happened to us, and and what you know, they were begging for help from other states. You know, it's like, well, what what would my family do in that situation? Would we be able to relocate or like get out of that quickly? And I was just like, so that was like the first thing that I encountered that hit me home. 
Mm-hmm. And then I uh, went to, I was attending Rutgers University at the time. And then so Pop, People's Organization from Progress, two representatives came to the university to speak. It was Larry Ham and Vicky White. And they were like, what are we doing? Like, we're just sitting here. Like, it just happened. Like, time was going by. Just because the media stopped talking about it. We got to do something. Like, you know, like, what? And I was like, whoa. And I was like, of course. And I went with my friend Shane, who I'm friends with now. He's since went and joined the army. Well, joined the military. Um, and we were like him. And we were just like, we have to do something. We didn't know anything. We never organized anything. And it was crazy we were like we have to do a benefit concert and it just ended up working in collaboration with some other departments to 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 put on a really cool benefit concert but to, when we started we were like oh we have to get a venue and then we're like let's get a venue so we're like calling around we didn't know anything and then like people were like yeah do you have money we're like oh you need money <laughs> to like to do this oh you need sound equipment you need this you need that and we're just like time for it to really sink in yeah um and your thesis and what was your like research question for your thesis well it's just how do i you know so the title of my thesis is creative practice of socio-political engagement and basically how and just looking at myself and how i became politicized this very story we're talking about is in here and um how do I use myself, my knowledge, my music, my events in service to social justice? And how do I build community through music, art, culture, and collaboration? Oh, it's all right. <laughs> we can pause if you want. <laughs> can so we do a pause now that's coming? That's fine. Um, cool. So it all, st- it all stemmed from there. And were you, like, as a, from, like, your family and stuff, were you from... Were your parents quite political, or did, did that? Not, not that I know of. Like, I think my mom may have been very. I think my mom was very Afrocentric, but like, I don't remember her being very political. Yeah. I mean, not like outrightly. I think the way we lived was political. You know, like, not political, but like, you know how you just. It's just part of your everyday kind of vibe. Yeah. Like what you choose to talk about in your household and how you treat your kids and yeah, yeah. You know, that, 
respect and tolerance and all that stuff. Yeah. So in that way, yes, but not like, let's go to this protest. And let's yeah. do, you know, yeah, not yeah, that yeah, way. Yeah. She yeah. worked mostly with my mom. And I didn't grow up with my dad, so I don't know if he was political at all. Yeah. I doubt it. So who was in your household? When you, have you got brothers and sisters, or was it just you and your mom? two sisters, and I'm the middle child, and I never found that date because I got distracted. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have two sisters. I'm the middle child, and my lit my older sister is. She lives in Trenton, New Jersey, and my little sister, who's actually taller than me, <laughs> just moved to North Dakota yeah. from New Jersey. So, yeah. but my older sister has the kids, <laughs> so she has three. Wow. Wait, four now. Four. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's been hard, like, growing up so far away from my family, though, especially with the, you know, the kids now yeah. getting older. 21, I think 22, 21, 22, my, my nephew is, mm-hmm. I, I haven't been, I've been here yeah. for the last eight years, so yeah, yeah. it's been really like. And were you in uh, South Africa before you came to the UK? Yeah, I was actually in, well I was living in, I moved to South Africa in 2008, and when Obama got elected I was on a trip with friends with, with some friends I met at the University of KwaZulu-Natal we were in Mozambique and Maputo when Obama was elected mm-hmm. and so did you get to vote in that election yeah I right. did a mail-in yeah. ballot yeah yeah <laughs> and I was like I was like I don't know if this worked I hope it actually got there yeah. but then I got jury duty and I was like okay yeah it oh. worked and I was like yeah I don't live here sorry <laughs> <laughs> that's happened a couple times like I got jury duty so I know my mm. mail-in ballots work <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah have you ever done it, Jury? No, because no. I've always been here every yeah. time I've been served. I've never done it. I've never <laughs> been called. I've never been called up for it. Yeah, it's a weird thing, isn't it? Yeah. Do you have friends that've done it? Um. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, actually, my friend Elspeth did it. I think, mm. but I can't remember. I can't remember like what the case was or anything. Well, I guess you can't talk about it, can you? Yeah. Um. That's pretty. Yeah. Kind of creepy, though. It is. Yeah, it's kind of secretive. Uh, Tim was doing it. Tim Supple. Really? Yeah, like earlier this year, I think. What? Yeah, but it's weird because you just have to stop whatever you're doing, like, and just go and do it. If you're if you're in the middle of of whatever life, I guess not childbirth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, little baby. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I've just got to come to this verdict before I can actually let you all know that I'm in labour. Put the umbilical cord. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> somebody going into labour in the courtroom? Uh, oh Sorry, it's a bit. <laughs> yeah, and and how all did um, where did all the music stuff start then? Was that from when you were quite young, or was that like yeah. at uni or? Yeah, I started playing trombone. Well, I started drumming on everything, everything like always, and I loved to whistle, but <laughs> and I and I taught myself how to whistle, and I have these ridiculously gappy teeth and when I was little I was really proud of these gappy teeth 
<laughs> and I was and I figured how to whistle through them. Oh, amazing! And then so when I was in school, I could just like. Uh, <laughs> you know, and like put my hand in my mouth to make it like, and like look around like, who's doing this? And obviously after a while. <laughs> yeah. But in my household, I mean, there's so many little tiny superstitious things. And in our, in our, in our family, like my grandma, they, they used to be this saying like, um, what was it? A whistling woman and a cackling hen come to a no good end. And so anytime I whistle in the house, and my grandma heard me, I would get yelled at, stop my whistling. Like, <laughs> yeah, so it was and like. What, why, what does it make? Why would the cackling oh, woman and the whistling, whistling I, woman and the cackling hen come to it? I honestly never looked into, like, did the research about its yeah, yeah. history and, like, how it came about. But if I just, off the top of my head, and, it's, oh, and it might be completely oh, not oh. this, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but in my. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> in my expert opinion <laughs> opinion <laughs> opinion is that it had to do with you know like being submissive and not doing stuff men do right. and you know like a whistling woman and a cackling hen you know like you and need to put loud. them in their place right, and okay. you know like don't take on you know yeah so I, for me i feel like it was something around that yeah maybe yeah it's weird being shushed yeah being shushed and yeah. also being not just being shushed but it then being passed on through the through the family members and it just being a, a it becoming a cultural thing kind of yeah, yeah. maybe i don't yeah, know actually yeah, i have yeah. no idea if yeah. anyone listening knows <laughs> then please, please tweet us please tweet us <laughs> yeah tweet <laughs> Golding Amy and let us know the answer. <laughs> that would be great. It's funny because um my friend Jerome he just left. He was visiting from Paris. He plays with a band with a brass band called Le Gros Tube. And he wanted to get fish and chips before we left. <laughs> you want fish and chips? <laughs> yeah. Let's move this. I shouldn't hit it. He wanted to get fish and chips before he left. And so we went in, right on the corner to Chippy and got some for him. And uh, the guy in there, he was in, he is from of Indian descent. I'm not exactly sure where. Yeah. And so he was dealing with him, but Jerome wanted to buy my lunch, you know, just as a little thank you. And I was like, oh, yeah. cool. And so the guy was just communicating to Jerome, but he speaks French. He speaks decent English as well, yeah. but something was wrong with the card. And then I looked at the, his card machine wasn't working. I looked at the cash register and it only had one meal. And I was trying to ask the guy, I said like three times, probably like maybe four times. I was like, excuse me. I was like, does it, da, da, da. but he just wouldn't give me any kind of eye contact. He just would talk mm. with Jerome and Jerome's trying to figure it out. Like he's kind of, he's kind of confused. Cause like the machine's not working, but you know, yeah. and I had to say, excuse me. And as it rang up properly, and then he's finally like kind of gave me the time of day, yeah. and then Jerome's card wasn't working, so we went out to the ATM, and so I just ended up paying for it, which is totally fine, but the guy was kind of like annoyed because I demanded his attention, yeah. and and then after we, after he you know settled up, he just said something about um difficult. He's like he said he said something like oh yeah she's difficult. 
you know. Oh, really? Just, yeah, because I think he was, you Leaving know, having a cackling hen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why it is, I'm bringing this story up. Yeah, yeah. I think he was putting, like, you know, how they just put the chips down and they put the fish and they put salt and vinegar on top of the fish. But I was like, oh, can you lift? I want my fish. I want the vinegar on the chips more so. Yeah. And he's just like, oh. <laughs> And he's like, he and so he's much. just like difficult. And I looked at him and I said, I don't think I'm being difficult at all. And then he looked at Jerome. He's like, Oh, I'm just joking. I'm like, What a weirdo. And I just, and I was just like, This kind of weird, not even cultural. It just could have been him, yeah. you know, like yeah, just yeah, being. Yeah. And I just, I'm not difficult. Yeah. He's like, Oh, oh, I'm just, you know. And, and the funny part, me being local, like you know, and like I'm gonna see him again, maybe, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then him just like. You know, yeah. it's just so awkward. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but that reminds me of that whole saying. Yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, being too too loud. Too just being, just asking for what you want and just not allowing someone to just do whatever and you, you're paying for something and you're like, oh no, I want it like this. And not a big yeah. deal. Just yeah, yeah. Just my fish and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Good. And that would just be good customer service. Yeah. <laughs> and he had, he had the, the gall to say, after I pay, you know, like, call me difficult and like try to make it into this male kind of thing and Jerome was just looking at him like mm. I don't know <laughs> if he, with you. I don't know, yeah. understand if he I don't know if Jerome didn't know what he was saying or if he just wanted to like stand in solidarity with me yeah. either way Jerome was just like tweet tweet you know? <laughs> and then I heard the guy and I was like I'm not and he's like oh I'm just joking yeah I was like whatever <laughs> I just like <laughs> That's yeah. mad that you could, that the whistling came from. Sorry, I was just thinking about teeth and whistling. Because mm. I, I could whistle as a child, mm-hmm. and then I had braces when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. and then I couldn't whistle anymore. And now I can't, and I don't think I ever used to whistle like through my teeth, but just general whistling. Yeah, normal yeah. whistling. Yeah. And now I can't look. You can do soundscapes. Yeah. <laughs> it's really quiet. Quiet, so do it near the microphone. <laughs> That's like as good as it gets. Which is rubbish, isn't it? Aww. Isn't it? Yeah, you laughing at me. Because <laughs> I've got a rubbish whistle. Let me get a blanket. Just go. But yeah, I, think I don't think anything some... spilled there, so you're fine. Just don't come this side. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting, isn't it? And when did you first get a trombone then? Nine years old. Wow. And why the tra- trombone? It's like I, not I don't know. The they gave us a they gave us an option. In school and nine, um, they're just like well I, I went to I lived in Somerset, New Jersey, Franklin Township. And it had back then it had a really good school system. I'm not yeah. saying it's bad now, I just haven't been, but it yeah. should be still pretty good. Yeah. Um, and they had like the high school would come. I don't know if it was the high school or it was the middle school. Um, or if it, yeah, I think it was the high school would come and give a concert, and all of this, all of the kids from you know the elementary school would just come and watch it. Or I don't know if it was the middle school that came to the elementary. I can't remember. <laughs> and they came and they did like they did the choir. They they had a concert band play. They had like mm-hmm. an orchestra play. And then after you see this stuff, then you go in the back to the band room, and then you see okay, you, your parents are there, 
and they say, okay, which which instrument do you want? And you register, and your yeah. parents register that out. And um, I said I wanted to play the long slidey thing. <laughs> and then the, and then my mom took the phone to the band director, and I'm like, well, uh, you know, uh, she's kind of short, and this really hit <laughs> a hard position, and they're like, why don't you, you know, get her to play something, you know, like, you know, anything else. <laughs> Apart from a double bass. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. And my mom, and then my mom's like, well, you know, and I was like, oh, I want to play the long slidey thing. And she's yeah. like, she wants to play the long slidey thing, so let her play that. And that was that. Great. That's yeah. great. And so did the school get you, did the school, like, get you an instrument? Yeah, did, yeah. Yeah, everybody. Mm-hmm. That's everybody. Great. That's amazing. Yeah. Because there's, there's kind of um, schemes, isn't there, now, which I think should be rolled out everywhere that mm-hmm. you know every child gets a chance to uh, to play yeah, yeah to have like have an instrument um yeah amazing I and don't... then did you just become was that just your thing as soon as you got it or uh yeah I would I played for a while but I mean you're you know you're pretty crap when you're <laughs> when yeah, you're just yeah. starting out and I don't know if like I don't know if our parents had to pay something a little bit or if we just. Yeah had to just sign it out because yeah. I think there was a company that kind of issued them through the school but it was a really good music department the arts was really I mean and they had different magnets so you can go to a science and technology you can go to a art school you know so you, had, you could kind of decide but it was really good I don't recall I have no idea if they had to pay for it I, don't, I think it was free yeah you know like the whole yeah, yeah get an instrument, you know, go home and practice it. But then the whole culture and um, the culture in America for, like, band and stuff is is really big and it's surrounded, it's really surrounded around sports and, but also events. So you'll have this particular event happening and the the school will be like, we need a big band. So so they need to get everybody included and then you know you have loads of feeder schools that feed to the different you know schools so like it's a big kind of participation model so was so a lot of it was playing like band stuff at sports events to start with not to start with to start with you're just in school and you you take a lesson once a week and then there's like a music group that you can play with and that happened you know that was just regular it wasn't until high school where you get to go and what that I got to go and play with marching band and all that stuff. Yeah. It was high school. Yeah. Yeah. Like ninth grade. So ninth grade. It's 12. so funny. It's so like everything about America, which I know is ridiculous because we watch so many American films. Mm-hmm. It's like it, you always think it's, oh, that just sounds like like the movies you know like these big kind of fat marching bands and sporting events but of course it's just because we've watched so many american films over here that like obviously they're me- things in films are things that happen in real life yeah. in america but it's just yeah. really funny that it's all like real or i personally think of it as stuff that just happens on the telly like, in the movies not for not for real it's like when i went to new york and there was like steam coming out of the uh of the gutter, like yeah. of the grates and like hot dog stands on the corners. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh my God, this shit really happens here. I'm in a movie, yeah. yeah. I'm in a fucking movie. This is crazy. Oh, the best, the, the best uh, street food in New York, obviously hot dogs, which now I am aware that they're carcinogenic. Are they? Yeah, I'm just so pissed off that hot dogs oh. in general are like, in hot dogs and pepperoni 
and any kind of processed meat, any any meat um, that you get, like any lunch meat yeah. and deli meats, um, and um, sausages, hot dogs, uh, bacon, all carcinogenic. And then and then like there's and like all of and so you're watching all of this stuff with vegans, vegetarians, just like, you know, being like, why are you guys eating meat? This stuff is, you know, it's full of, like, cancerous materials. I'm like, no! Oh. <laughs> Don't tell me this! Yeah. No! And then you're just, like, so vexed oh. because it's so tasty. Yeah. And then, but obviously what they're doing to the animals. And, and it's taken me a process, but I think we're trying to slowly, we're trying to get away from eating meat. Yeah. Um, yeah. We we sort of made a decision a while ago, me and Ian, that we would that we don't want to give up eating meat because we we really enjoy it, but that mm-hmm. we would try and see it as like something that we don't necessarily have for every meal, and yeah. we see it more as like a treat. And yeah. then we spend money on good meat, yeah. and we go to like farm shops yep. and we buy like free ranged like organic stuff that mm-hmm. we know where it's come from, mm-hmm. and we know that it's come from local mm-hmm. and stuff. So like. And that, like every sun, every week we normally go to like Time Mouth Market, and there's like a nice farm shop there, and we get a free range chicken, and then we cook yeah. it, and then we make a few meals out of it yeah. like, through the week and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's scurry away that little chicken leg so we can have it on Thursday. <laughs> Don't eat the gristle tonight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Save the oysters for the weekend. Oh man. Um, yeah, no, we no, we eat pretty well. It's <laughs> but, hard to say. Oh, I'm just gonna cold cook cold turkey it's not it's not yeah. so, no it's definitely no. not happened no but i, was but I just, think it's e- i think it's easy to eat meat ethically if you f- if you find out where it's come from yeah it's yeah, just yeah. if you're buying it in the supermarket than yeah. the cheapest stuff yeah but then it, obviously it is more expensive to eat like that so yeah. that's why it's kind of let's do let's eat less of it but try and, yeah yeah but i, I mean but like oh. even the oh. but the, ah. like if you're watching you know i watch so many different programs and they're just saying that you know things that have you know cancerous materials like you have like look at the cigarette packages you know my friend was here and you know he smokes and i was just looking at the package and it's just like all the pictures legs and all kinds of messed up gnarly things and and they're like well if this stuff has to have warnings why don't you put these same warnings on the hot dogs, on the meat, cold cuts, and all the pepper. I was like, oh, is it that bad? And they're like, uh, yes. It's yeah. as, like, they're suddenly eating X amount of bacons, like, smoking X amount of cigarettes. I'm like, is this, like, new research? That's, or is this, like, all bacon? I don't know about about cancer and bacon. Okay, folks who know about this, tweet us. <laughs> tweet us. <laughs> tweet us if you know information about the cancerous effects of eating bacon. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So so I've, I've this, been, did you watch this on a documentary? Or yeah. You, right. Okay. Yeah, it was, it's been a, it's been a few documentaries. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just kind of like, oh man. Yeah. So. Oh god! But then also, there's the research that comes out constantly that sort of uh, uh, co- um, contradicts research that's come out like before. It's the same with yeah. like baby, like everything that you learn about how to be a parent and like what's good for your baby and yeah. what time you should be doing this and what you should feed it and what like it's just, like it changes all the time. Yeah. You know, like uh, when you were younger, it was kind of your men are drink boot we're gonna drink guinness every day when you're pregnant because it's because of the iron content because so, you need iron do you know what i mean and now so it's like oh you mustn't drink at all when you're pregnant yeah. 
like you know these things change all the time don't they depending yeah. on who's done what research at which time and it's probably how the, the animals are processed from t- to begin with yeah. you know i mean i was just really stunned to find out that the whole milk industry all of this drink milk and all this stuff is bull it's all lies you know just so the milk industry can like sell its products and that you get the majority of calcium through leafy greens dark leafy greens and it's like yeah. what yeah. <laughs> I've been having my pint of bedtime milk for my calcium intake. Or, or just even how like harmful milk is nowadays because of the way it's processed, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, man. Oh, it's a minefield, though, I think. It's kind of what I think once you get into looking at what you eat, it's like it's never ending. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, just the way we do it, the way we allow our, the industry to, to work because if we ate normally, like, okay, fair enough, like, people smoke cigarettes. You're not going to die because you smoked three or five or 17 or 20 or 50 packs of cigarettes. Mm. It just depends on how often you do it, yeah, I think, yeah. you yeah. know. So, like, eating how many hot dogs is not going to kill you, but it depends on how you are. Yeah. It depends on how that meat's being processed to yeah, begin with. Yeah. And I think it's just, like, new forms of slavery you know with the animals the way we have this demand for it versus eating seasonal and when things are in you know and it's just like what they're doing to them and it's like man trying to trying to figure this all out yeah it's hard to be whimsical in the kitchen with you know like with nothing but like vegetables i mean sometimes you can but then when you go low you're like oh there's nothing to eat just eat a piece you know Also, you're renowned for your steak. Yeah, I your know. Your steak is like it's really good, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I really, really enjoyed eating your steak. We like don't to know what to again. do with Thanksgiving. Like, well, oh, first okay. of all, we're gonna when like, is it rename again? it. Is it of November? Course. Yeah, it's November. Yeah, it's always like the third. Is it the third weekend of November? It's normally like around November twenty fifth, November twenty fourth, whatever is closest. The Thursday on that. Yes. Yeah. yeah, but obviously, the the. Thanksgiving Day needs to be changed to like Native American something another. Yeah. <laughs> but then are we gonna like feast out on some murdered turkey? Not that all <laughs> meat's not murdered, but the way they're kept, you know. So yeah. like, what are we gonna do? Like, yeah. we would have not huge roast. big pork. <laughs> not roast. Yeah. You mean not roast? <laughs> yeah. Not not roast. Let's not do that. Let's not do a roast. Let's have a nut roast. Yeah, when we I used to be I used to be vegetarian for many many years uh, until I was like seventeen I think when I moved out of home mm-hmm. um, I started eating meat again because I just used to cra- I used to crave bacon yeah. like the smell of it just used to drive me crazy and then when I wasn't even at home anymore because we were all vegetarian at home mm-hmm. and over my dad and uh, I was kind of like why am I why am I just not ha- if I really want it, why am I not having it? So yeah, then I just yeah. had it and I started eating meat again. But it took me a long time, like, it took me years to be able to eat sort of mm-hmm. red meat again. Yeah. I just ate kind of chicken and bacon yeah, and things like that for a while and then gradually. But now I'm, like, well mm-hmm. up for, mm-hmm. for everything. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so we used to have nut roast for, for Christmas and it was always, like, dry and, oh. like, just awful oh. <laughs> and it was so disappointing <laughs> to have, what other like, what good things did you have like during the uh, <laughs> like, <what? laughs> uh well i no i mean 
mean, the roast dinner's still nice. You can do you can do a nice roast dinner. You can make a nice nut roast. We just made... It was just my dad's was just really dry. Like, it just needs to be... <laughs> a gravy can hide a multitude of things, a good gravy. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, vegetable-based things are, are nice, like... I don't know, like a big a big stuffed aubergine or like a, mm. uh, a, a butternut squash. This is what I'm going to cook tonight. Okay. So I'm going to cook um, uh, paddy. I'm going to cook paddy curry and patty. And Ian's mm-hmm. coming back from work as well. And we've got a butternut squash. So I'm going to roast a butternut squash mm-hmm. with like butter and garlic in like the hot in the hole. Yeah. Once you scoop out yeah, the seeds. So mm-hmm. And then once it's roasted and that's all melty, I'm going to take it out and I'm going to scoop all the flesh out and mix it all up with the butter and the garlic and yeah. mix feta cheese in it and mix basil in it and then put it back in its skin and then put some like breadcrumbs on it and then put it back in the oven. That's nice. Yeah, and I'm going to have that with... I'm going to make like lots of different types of salad and I'm going to... We've got a cauliflower, like one of those... You know those Romanesco cauliflowers that's mm-hmm. like green mm-hmm. and it's pointy? Uh, and we get a veg box and we get we get them and I didn't know what it was for ages yeah, <laughs> was, yeah. but, so I was like right what am I going to do what am I going to do with this thing yeah. so I'm going to I've looked up a recipe I'm going to roast it whole um, with lemon juice and thyme and and a bit of cheese sprinkled on it and like mm. roast the whole thing whole and then have like slices of it really yeah oh you have to report so back try yeah I will you yeah, have to report see how, back. how it goes I mean the butternut squash thing I've had before I know that's nice the mm. cauliflower thing that's like a new that's yeah. trying something new so yeah. we'll see I'm not a massive fan of cauliflower to be honest Julius hates it yeah I like these ones I like a bit better because they're a bit less bitter than the than mm. the normal cauliflower yeah and, I, and I'll eat cauliflower cheese because it's just disguised by loads <laughs> of cheese sauce but just like a piece of like white like boiled cauliflower yeah. on the side of a plate is just is it not appealing I don't it looks know. like a I don't I, it's probably better not to boil it. Like, yeah, it's just kind of like when they, they go all like mushy and like, oh, yeah, that's gross. I don't know because I, I think yeah, with I, I think we're especially Julie's being Dominican. Like we have like heavy meat based African American Dominican like meat based diets, you know, culturally. Yeah. Um, so to and unfortunately, I never grew up learning how to make Jamaican food. So if I knew how to make Jamaican food and curry and season thing, I think like eating vegetarian would be much easier and more tasty. Yeah. Um, so we tried to adapt some of Jilly's recipes, like her, you know, like her family recipes without meat. And sometimes it's really good. What's but like I a think- typical Dominican... Well, you could eat a lot of it vegetarian because you have your black beans or red beans, rice, um, big salad, Dominican salad, um, and some kind of pork or chicken or depends on how big the event is and how many different family members make something. But normally some kind of pork is always kind of a good staple that you have. But I think, I thought we were going to be like, crap what are we gonna if 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 we're at, we're if we're further on with this whole like let's not buy meat in the house thing mm-hmm. then i was like for thanksgiving we're gonna have to like go like asian or indian in order to like yeah <laughs> eat yeah. stuff that's super tasty yeah. um 
oh. you know, bless you. I mean, obviously, you have like your sweet potatoes, and you have your red beans, you have your rice, you have all that kind of stuff, and yeah. and like quinoa is quite good. But obviously, they're like, yeah. oh, well, make sure it's not coming from here because all these people are being murdered for I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> don't it's... eat wheat. Don't eat rice. But, oh, quinoa is really healthy, healthy superfood. Yeah, but all these people are being murdered. It's like, man, what can we eat? Yeah. <laughs> uh, got to, like, go back to the basics and find out where. Just get know, an allotment. Your local neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. what, what food is local to that? And Yeah. Uh, this globalization thing is changing everything about how we used to do things or yeah. that were more healthy for the environment. Yeah. Now, if you want an avocado, you can just go get it. Is it avocados here? No, but you can have it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be weird and radiated, and then it'll probably go bad before you get it to yeah. eat it. So yeah, I know it would be it would be much more sensible to to eat what's in season and to eat locally and stuff i think like we've become so everything's become around convenience though mm-hmm. hasn't it like everyone's lives just i don't know if this is true because i've only lived in my own lifetime but mm-hmm. um it feels like everybody's just so much busier um, yeah. and i don't know maybe people were always just really busy but they still managed mm-hmm. to like make time for like before supermarkets yeah. and before you know yeah everything would have happened much more locally and probably mm. would have been much healthier and much more ethical in a way yeah but um it just feels like everything's so right i need that thing i can just get it immediately from there or i can order it on the internet and then it'll appear tomorrow yeah, yeah. on amazon prime or you know yeah it's just we've we've the society we live in is so immediate now immediate isn't it? Yeah. immediate gratification yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And I think in in all of that, a lot of our a lot of the kind of ethical stuff is kind of sidelined because yeah. we kind of like yeah mm. focused on well I don't have time to I don't have time to go and visit that place where I could get it where I know it's grown yeah. by somebody you know yeah around the corner or whatever. I think there used to be a bigger sense of family back in the day as well. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think it's always kind of. Hello. This whole in the West is very individualistic. I think that's like I don't think our family did really well with that that mentality that that kind of structure. Everybody, every family does for themselves. Yeah. It's kind of. Yeah. It's yeah. You can't function really. Yeah. I mean, you can. We have, but it's like more of a survival. You know. Are you saying give me attention? <laughs> Why are you two talking and not looking at me? I'm down Hello. here. Hello. We haven't forgotten that you're there. Hey. Are you going to chew on your giraffe's ear? Yeah. Yeah, I am. I don't care about ethics. I'm going to eat this yeah, giraffe. Exactly. Hey, man. Does yeah. it squeak? Yeah. <laughs> ah. Yeah, I think also the thing with fact the family thing. I'm feeling feeling that a lot at the moment with like my family lives all over the country. Um, like every single family member is in a different city, mm-hmm. so none of us are in the same place. Yeah, and um, and because my grandma is kind of getting older and has dementia, and she she we've actually just moved moved her into a home, mm. like I moved her north, but she was down in 
new market mm. which was like miles away from everybody and then i'm up here in newcastle which is miles away from everybody and i've just had a baby yeah and so there's kind of like th- this whole thing of the different generations caring for each other yeah like do it look do it sharing the childcare, sharing the um care of the elderly and yeah. looking after one another and some people are working and bringing money in to support the family while other people are kind of doing the home stuff and you know, and it just doesn't work like that now. Mm, it is completely yeah. separate, as you said, and we've all got our own lives in all separate places, and yeah. we, you know, do our best to get together and to meet up one on, like one on one, and then try and get yeah. big family gatherings as well. But they only happen really a couple of times a year with everyone together. Yeah. And um, yeah, and it does feel. Um, I've been really feeling that now. I'm kind of mm. going, oh, I wish that like my mum lived around the corner and yeah. my sister lived like down the road. And it makes life easier. Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah. in my family, we like my grandma used to take care of all the kids and the moms, and you know, like all the parents went to work, but whatever aunts weren't working or uncles weren't, they stayed around. Yeah. You, you know, like, a, you know, like I can say like my early years, like my mom. She raised me, but she wasn't the only one to raise me. Yeah. You know, my grandma raised me, my aunts raised me, my uncles, you know, like, yeah. the whole, everybody raised us all. Yeah. And, you know, you can go to f- ask this and that, you know, like, I think also, like, being very individual and isolated, individualistic and isolated, it creates that, I need this now, I need this easy thing, because I don't have time to go to the store, yeah. I don't have time to drive, yeah. da, 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 I need it right now, yeah, yeah. you know, it creates yeah. that. No, absolutely. But then also, in a sense, we're all living for ourselves in yeah. terms of our ambition and what we want to do. And you know, I I made a choice to come and live in Newcastle and be up here and be part of the theatre world up here. And you know, it's a place I love being near the sea. I love being near the countryside. Mm-hmm. I love the I love the people in this city. I love the kind of the independent seat, like art scene that's kind of up and coming and bubbling yeah. here. And like, and I, you know, I could have moved back to Sheffield where, yeah. where some of my family were or um, like you could have got done your travels and then gone back to go, I'm going to go and live with my family around my family. But also we, we have the op- we have the opportunity to kind of go, yeah. actually, we're going to all pursue our dreams, which often means that we're all yeah. living separate, separate. And, yeah. yeah, in different places. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm gradually trying to persuade all of my family to move up here. Then <laughs> I'm working on them. <laughs> like every they time they. So my mum's in Hull, um, okay. which still is still north. Yeah, three hours and a half, three hours yeah. and a half drive. Yeah, about three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my sister's in Sheffield, which is about two and a half hours drive. My mm-hmm. brother's in uh, Cheshire, which is further. Uh, it's kind of maybe three and a half. Uh, uh, my dad's in Leicester. Um, which is kind of yeah, and my grandma was in Newmarket, but is now in quite near Hull, um, okay. in a home in Goole, and then my auntie and uncle are in Texas, and uh, and was that it? So were they affected by the the, wet, the storm? No, they were miles away. Okay. Yeah. I know, I was like, oh, Texas, and then realised it was like a massive state, and that they were like totally on the the other side of it, I was like, oh, okay, I was suddenly like, I'm in a panic, yeah, they're like, yes, we're watching it on the telly, Uh, yeah, yeah, no, they're far, Um, I think that happened also with Gili's family, because I think, because where they're at in Dominican Republic, I think there's this huge mountain that kind of, like, separated where a lot of people got a lot of the storm, 
So, like, the mountain house right. family's on the other side. Yeah. I think they're okay. Well, they are okay. They're yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. How did you meet Jalisa? then? What's, um, what's that story? <laughs> Tell us the love story. Oh, dear. <laughs> so, I was playing a trombone in a salsa band that originated at Rutgers University and then after the salsa band director left she gave it to another Latin she gave it to another band director um, this guy is super cool his name is Jose Abreu and he's he's blind but he's a lawyer at the university and like a badass piano player um, whose who's trick during gigs used to be to take a, uh, a bottle of Corona while playing, put it in his mouth, and play a wicked solo while drinking a whole... <laughs> like, wicked, like, between yeah. his teeth? Like, <laughs> Just finishing it. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. That's a pretty good point trick. Wow. Yeah, so I played with them for... <laughs> Did he like, used to do that like when you were on stage with him? Yeah, well, th- yeah like yeah, doing a gig. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't think of it as... Um, concerts like you have here like think like prep world you have to imagine like proper latin crowd you know like gigs would be like you know from from 11 or 12 at night and rev and then we would play and so big festive environment like mm-hmm. lots of people and just you know big party so that yeah. ah, that would just get people going more you know yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of vibe versus newcastle <laughs> <laughs> Why? Go on. What's the difference between a UK uh, audience and the and uh, American audience? Well, I would I, I can't even say UK audience versus American audience is very is even you could segment even further down. I would say what's the difference between an English audience and a Latino audience? Yeah. And it's just the, it's this it's equivalent to what's the difference between um, an age, uh, an Indian audience versus a UK audience. I mean, mm-hmm. you go, you take, you go to any Indian party or any like proper Latin party, and immediately the music's on. People are up dancing. Yeah, yeah. People are it's yeah. like lively, it's jovial. Well, it's like, it takes bah, so bah. long. It yeah. really pisses me off when I go to. A g- I hate being. I hate being English at a gig. Seriously, because I fit like I have this thing where I'm kind of going. I want to get. I want to dance, but um, am I going to have to be the first person? Am I going to? Is is anyone else going to go? Is anyone going to go, or am I going to have to be the person that's going to like jump up? Oh, I'm going to have to be that first one again. Mm-hmm. Are the people behind me going to get annoyed because they're sitting down? Are they like? There's this whole ridiculous oh. etiquette thing oh. that is sort of formed around the way that we enjoy yeah. music. Yeah. Like when you go to the sage or whatever. Yeah. Like I went to. I can't remember who I went to see some big. Um, uh, some big African act. Uh, was a guy from um, Mozambique, I think. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his name now. But anyway, and immediately I was kind of like, oh, God, I really want to dance. <laughs> and everyone's just sort of just sitting and tapping their foot. And, you know, and it's like, this is this is music. Is People are meant to move to it. Yeah. And all of the, you could tell anyone who was African in the audience was just kind of immediately like yeah. enjoying it. Yeah. And, and, and it, you can tell that it makes people on stage feel like, oh, God. Do they are they enjoying are they enjoying it or are they hating it because mm-hmm. they're also like po faced and mm-hmm. kind of you know they just look so blank yeah um, and then and then there's all this work that has to be done to get people up yeah. and going and then once yeah. they are they're having the best time they've ever had and then it's time and to it's go. Done, yeah <laughs> and then it's the end. 
frustrating. We went to see Paul Simon when I was pregnant, and um, and me and Ian and Ian's sister and Ian's best mate Jim, we were sat like right in the middle. It was at an arena in uh, Nottingham, and uh, and we were sat like in the middle, quite towards the front, and uh, and we were just like it was like all seats like seating on the floor, um. So there was no we weren't on the bit where it was raised at the side so yeah. basically if we stood up we were going to be in people's way yeah. and we just said from the beginning as soon as the first song starts we're going to stand up and we're going to stay standing up the whole thing and fuck fuck everyone else like yeah. we, someone has to do it and then the next but people behind us will have to stand up because they'll be getting one then the people behind yeah. them will have to and have to because yeah, yeah, yeah. we cannot go and see Paul Simon and yeah. have this whole sitting down waiting thing like yeah. I'm pregnant and I still want to stand for the whole time yeah like, yeah yeah um, I can't you know this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to see this incredible gig so we did. So we like shot up like at the first, and then and then there's just all you could just hear all these grumbles behind. It's kind of like just a frustrated, angry kind of people that we were like, oh, oh gosh, we can't see, we can't see. So Ian was just like, well, stand up then, come and join in. This is what we meant to do. And and then I think one of them was like, well, what if I, you know, what if I can't stand up? And he's like, well, can't, there's a there's a wheelchair place like yeah. that is raised if you want to go yeah, there and, yeah. uh, and they were like they could stand up they were yeah. just sort of trying yeah. to make yeah, a point yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Um, but yeah anyway so we just danced and then and then it happened if you but, google concert etiquette you'll get pages and pages and pages and pages of proper concert etiquette and it's just like when Julie's and I play not the full band but the duet we find ourselves often like educating people on you know proper concert etiquette for our music because oh. it's not proper etiquette to go to one of our concerts or the kind of concerts that a lot of musicians play and just sit there yeah. it's really inappropriate yeah. it's really like inappropriate to like not give any feedback during the concert yeah. but then i mean I, you know that was talking about um you know growing up with that being as part of your culture you know and it's just it's just really weird yeah it's really weird and yeah. but i mean it's good work to be done i mean from my perspective from my perspective it's, it's good it's a good investment of time to try to get these folks to connect and to yeah. to get out of their their shells a little bit. Yeah. But some people just want to watch and just watch some amazing thing happen. But it's so tough. I mean, yeah. like if you go like an African American concert, um, like as soon as you start playing or you know, like you're gonna get some feedback. If something's really good, you're like yeah, you know, yeah. like you're gonna yeah, yeah. you're gonna. But obviously, even nowadays, so even African Americans are even still. Everyone's trying to be high society now. Everyone wants to be, you know, close to that elite standard. So you might go. I was in South Africa in two thousand and eight, and I was playing at a concert, and everyone was like, you know, dressed to nines, and and then I'm in South Africa, and I'm, I'm my band like we recreated my I recreated my band in South Africa, and we're playing a concert. And the first song finished, and everyone's just sat down, like, and just like, oh, it's great. I was like, am I in America? Am I in England? Or am I in South Africa? And they all started to chuckle. And I'm like, what's going on? They all yeah. laughed. I was like, you can, this is not that kind of a play. Like, you yeah. can, like, relax. Get and, up. You know? Yeah. But I guess, like, what's the standard of 
of wealth what's the standard of being successful like what is it it's like this really dry um i'm i'm tamed i'm educated i'm you know it's like you just educate all of the <laughs> the emotion. Yeah. It's really weird. Yeah. But you can see that when you're doing work. When I go and do workshops in schools, I'm teaching little kids. They're like, yeah, blah, I'm up for anything. And then you go to like uh, middle school, a little bit difficult, high schools. Like, like you just see the years of how they're being, you know, all of the enthusiasm and like the shine is just being like, yeah. educated out of them yeah. but also like the social conditioning that they yeah. instill on themselves or put themselves through yeah. it's like it's really sad isn't it it's weird i saw this um it really stayed with me when i went to the uh, mouth of the time festival mm-hmm. um in the summer and uh, and i was down at the low lights the um you know like the heritage center the low lights bit and they had a sort of acoustic-y set on um and in the afternoons them i think they were calling it the fringe the, the mouth of the time fringe kind yeah. of bit and um and it was just kind of, it was quite young it was quite young musicians and there was a few bands and stuff and uh, and it was it was just kind of fun and there was kids running around and people yeah. having drinks and stuff and um it wasn't particularly busy when i was there but um there was this one little boy who was at right at the front and he was like dance like you know the phrase of like dancing like nobody's watching like yeah. he was dancing yeah. like feeling every every tiny movement and beat of the music and it was just so wonderful to watch like he was so free mm-hmm. and he was just expressing himself so wonderfully with not a worry and then then there was this other, this other group of lads um who were all, had all been playing like tig or and football and kind of running around yeah. um with each other um, playing sort of a competitive kind of game with each yeah. other, uh, and then they were like watching this boy dancing, and they were kind of, and they must have these kids must have only been like, set like seven, say yeah. I don't I couldn't yeah between six and and nine definitely, and um, and and they were sort of taking the piss out of him a bit like not to his face but kind of to each other yeah but then you could see them desperate to do what he was doing yeah. and their little legs were kind of like their their sort of foot would be going or like a little arm would be going yeah and they just i just kind of wanted them to go over to them and just be like just do it yeah just do what you want to do let right go. now just let go and let it happen and just feel how he feels he's having the best time he's ever yeah. had yeah. and you're worried about what this little boy next to you thinks and so. he wants to do the same thing as you yeah you know. and you both want to do it why don't you just do it together and just let go yeah. and i was kind of that's so sad that th- at that age there's all this kind of inhibition and this sort of kind of wanting to to please or look cool or you know what whatever it is how do you shield your kids from that how are you gonna shield what did like yeah like how oh god i have so many worries about (laughs) already about being a parent i mean well basically make sure that she's exposed to everything that's different from that like Ah! allowing you to scream wherever you want to scream um and you know her being at festivals so yeah. like her first festival being at Shambhala this summer and I know she's tiny but just I loved that I felt like she was absorbing some it was of that perfect. it was yeah. yeah it was so good and like I'd like to take a place like that every year where adults and everybody are free to run around and play and have a sense of fun mm. and I think being in the, in the theatre you know one of the kind of 
one of the sort of key principles and, and, and values of Curious Monkey is about fun. Yeah. And I think if she's going to be in rehearsal rooms or be in workshops and things and just to be able to have that sense of fun around yeah. her and seeing yeah. people of all ages play still, yeah. like seeing adults play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I worry about, you know, she's going to go to nursery and she's going to go to school and she's going to go to other places and the, the conditioning is like already started. Yeah. Like I, I, I've become really aware of like gender stuff. I've been watching this BBC documentary um, about gendering kids, mm. and uh, and it was in a classroom of seven year olds. Yeah. Looking at how already the kind of thoughts and views of them in terms of what boys are good at, what girls are good at, yeah. what roles, what jobs, what jobs, what, what toys, toys, what clothes. Yeah. Like all of that. And already, like I see her, I see her watching me put eyeliner on and feel like, oh my god, I'm already conditioning you because yeah. I've been conditioned and I'm wearing eyeliner yeah. as a girl. It looks nice, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, what am I doing? I don't want her to see me do that. Or like, or she, or she, you know, would watch me shave my legs. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, oh god, I'm already exposing her to that. Yeah. Even though I'm really aware of not oh. wanting to expose her to those things and yeah. for her to not have, have to, to conform. feel like she needs to. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's really difficult. But um but I am really aware of it. And just the language mm. like things like um everybody tells her she's beautiful all the time mm-hmm. and she is beautiful mm-hmm. and I tell her she's beautiful. But um but I've taken to telling her that she's strong and she's clever and she's yeah. like and all of these other and she's really good at using her hands and mm-hmm. like all of the things yeah. that aren't just about her, the way that she appears yeah. or but I know one day she's going to come back from school in a princess dress that's pink and be like as much as I try and dress her in like gender neutral clothes and as much as I try yeah. and like get her to play with tractors and whatever and dinosaurs I know that one day she's going to be like but I just want to be a princess mummy and I'll be like oh god (laughs) all my hard work (laughs) Disney wins (laughs) yeah I just want to wear pink why can't I wear pink why didn't I dress in pink when I was younger aww you do wear pink sometimes but you wear all the colours don't you yes have you ever heard the secret like listened to that or read that book the, the, the secret no it's like the, it's like talking about like the, the power of intention and you know like living uh living living and knowing that there's an abundance for everybody and not living in scarcity so like not feeling like like being able to share the wealth and being able to link people with other people and not feeling like oh i better stay quiet about this because there's only a little bit and i want to be the only one to you know it's like oh, I heard about this, okay, I'm going to tell everybody else. And and then just this idea of, like, you know, if I'm doing well and I'm surrounding myself with people who are also doing well, we're all going to do well. So yeah. for me personally, I feel as though it's in my best interest for me to help the people around me or just to surround myself by, you know, folks who are on the same path, on the same page. Yeah. And to, so it's just a... It's just a I think it's really cool. Yeah. Who's um, What's her name? Oh, man. It just slipped the top of my... It just slipped from my... Uh, it'll come back <laughs> yeah. to me. It'll yeah, come back to worry. me. But one of the... One of the um, experts, she, they, that, they, that speak...
speaks on this <coughs> is a woman named. Oh. What's wrong? <coughs> Do you want to go back down there? Are you having fun down there? Whoa. <laughs> <coughs> no. <laughs> okay. Oh, goodness me. That's not what you want, is it? What do you want? No. <coughs> She's just learned how to scream like in really? the last week. Yeah. This is this is experimentation with the vocal cords, and um, it's it's really high pitched. <laughs> you should like record. Oh, you are recording. We are recording it. it. <laughs> like, you I should know. record it. Yeah. Like play it back to her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We should. This is you learning how to sing. Yeah, that's right. That oh. is right. I've just realised that. Um, uh, you never told me the story because we got distracted about you meeting Jalice. Oh, you yeah. were playing trombone in, in a, a salsa, salsa band. band. Whoa, let's backtrack. That's good. Let's good, backtrack. good. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even had a pint yet. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was playing a salsa band, and um, during that time, I was, was like towards the final year of Rutgers. Um, Jili's sister, Celie's mom, uh, she started to sing in the salsa band, but I didn't know Jili's at all. But uh, so during that time, without me knowing Jili's, she was working for the vice president of the of arts and cultures or arts and humanities, arts and culture at Rutgers University. So she was the program coordinator, mm-hmm. and her sister was working for the Latino Arts and Culture Center. Uh, and she was also the program coordinator for that. So their offices were like literally across. Like so, here's my house and Naked Delhi is her sister's office. So like, they yeah, <laughs> so yeah. they were doing really cool stuff. And um, so Celie's, Celie's mod, but we call her Celie's for short. She was singing in the band, and after a while, I started to get to know her a little bit, and then like she's really cool, and I was. During that time, I did go to I didn't go to Rutgers University right away. Actually, after high school, I went to school in Virginia. I went to Norfolk State University, mm-hmm. and I went there for three years, and and then I transferred my last year to Rutgers, oh, okay. and I ended up doing another three years there. And was this in music? Yeah, in yeah. music, and and then I so yeah, so I was finishing up. And then so I was and so when I transferred to to Rutgers, I didn't stay at home. I stayed because that's back in New Jersey. Rutgers is back home in New Jersey. Yeah. Um, so I stayed. I got like they had mature student. They had like, yeah, mature student housing. Yeah. And it was really cool uh, compared to like the regular, f- yeah. you know, yeah, undergrad. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I was in with some really cool people and. We didn't have to leave. I don't think we had to leave for the breaks. We could stay, you know. And it was like much more, you know, bigger space, more private, you know, like, you know, so it was cool. So I stayed in those housing. And then after, eventually, we started gigging. And after gigs, like, I would, would hang out. And then I didn't drink much red wine then. But then I would, sincerely, like, invite people back to her house in Highland Park, which is not far from. Rutgers is New Brunswick you know it's kind of like the diff- distance of like Heaton and 
and city center kind yeah. of vibe actually closer um and so i would go back to the house and then like i fell in love with red wine because cities like red wine <laughs> so i got into that I was like oh, this is lovely you know and then like she would just it'd be like midnight or past midnight and like it'll be a bunch of us hanging out and she would just like whip up this fantastic dinner like out of nowhere like wow big Dominican feast and we're just like drinking wine and eating and it was really cool so it's just hanging out with her loads and eventually I just started hanging out even more since you know not just with after salsa band gigs and um She's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> look at that face, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she looks so like, she's like, I love this, but sometimes it's scary, but no, I love it. Oh, you get it. Oh, if you can only see this smile. He's making an airplane. I think I'm enjoying it more than her. <laughs> it's like some crazy human thing when like a baby is satisfied. Everyone feels good. Oh, yeah. Oh, tell me about it. That's like my day. Just consists of like, well, basically my entire life is about getting those moments. So the moment like when your baby smiles or laughs, you're like, oh gosh, that feels amazing. And you're like on a constant mission to try and achieve that yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, anyway, go on. Yeah. So after after we were hanging out loads, like then towards the last year after I grad, then I graduated. And then the band got, you know, more professional. And I got a job right out of university teaching. And I was like, wow, I made it. You know, like, <laughs> that's what you wait for. You do university, you get your first job. I was making, you know, like, 40 grand. I had health care. I was like, woohoo, fresh out the, you know. <laughs> and then I was just like, wow. <laughs> it was intense. It was intense. And so it was in, I was working in Trenton. And so I would commute from back and forth every day. And it's like 40 minute drive, but longer with traffic. And then so I, and I, and I ended up like hanging out at Celie's house. And then, um, then I would just like, ended up hanging out with them after work. And then sometimes I would just end up sleeping there. And like she had this huge bed, so I would just like crash in the living room or like, you know, just you know, like in the room or whatever. And then um, eventually, like I ended up staying there so so many times. I think Geely said to see these. Uh, why don't you just ask Kanabi if she wants to like move in? <laughs> they didn't. So was Geely living in the same? House? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you were seeing her all of this time and getting to know her as well. No, as because well, like Geely's. Yeah, I get, get, did get to know her, but, like, Jeelys was a bit more quiet. Right, her yeah. sisters, like, they're kind of, like, yin and yang a little right, bit. Okay. Um, and Jeelys would kind of just oh. hang out with their mutual friend more. 
I didn't really know Jeannie's that well, yeah. but I, eventually I did get to know her a bit, but it was Celie's who I party with, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. Celie's, you know, like, we're kind of like, yeah, that's really crazy, you know, and, and so Celie's like, oh, well, do you want to, you know, do you want to move in? And I was like, no, okay, but it didn't have, like, a normal room size, it wasn't a normal sized room, it was, like, this super tiny, tiny little room, yeah. like, big enough for, like, a bed, oh, typical English rooms, no. <laughs> space for a bed and a shoe <laughs> which shoe do you want in your room <laughs> so I was, yeah it was just a tiny space and i was like yeah that would be cool and so like i didn't have to pay like proper rent i just had to buy like you know like i don't know maybe a couple hundred bucks whereas you know just to help out with bills you know because my room was super small and i wasn't be i wouldn't be there a lot that often yeah so then that's how i that's how I met Jeannie's, you know, just by hanging out with her sister and, and then eventually moving in. And, of course, when I moved in, I bought my percussion studio, which was lots of different places. And then I bought 30 drums. and just have 30 drums yeah, on the shoe? Yeah, and I just... <laughs> no room for a bed. No, all of the drums, like, in the living room. So, like, I just lined them up on the, bot- on the wall and stacked them. And then so like you walk into the house, it's like couches, TVs, and then wall of drawers. <laughs> so then Jeannie's one day, she's just like, um, you have all these drums in the house. Uh, can you teach me to drum? And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And then like she just, she was really proactive and like, okay, I want to learn drums now. Because you know how you're like, yeah, yeah. But unless the person yeah. comes, I still you a drum I lesson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but see, Jeannie's made me give it to her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so, I, so then I started teaching her drumming, and eventually she got good enough to, like, keep a beat and get out a decent sound. Back then, I thought I had decent drums. I was like, yeah, it's good drums, you know? And um, so she eventually would keep the beat, and then one day... There's this woman named Pandora Scooter who is, I think she, I think she would identify as queer, um, and she runs like loads of LGBT stuff in New Brunswick, the city of New Brunswick, and they do like this uh, this monthly open mic. I think they still do it, and so I went to these one of these open mics, and I was like, oh, geez, I'm going to an open mic. Do you want to come? And she's like, uh, yeah. I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna play. I probably won't, but I put my drum in the car. I was like, I was like, if I do play, you don't have to, but would you mind just like keeping just like the beat for me? And she's, I was like, but you don't have to do it. We can just put it in the car, and if you feel like you want to, if I play, then it, it can be prepared. She's like, all right. So we get to the Browns, we get to this open mic. And then we go up, and I always feel awkward. I'm always, like, <laughs> one of a few brown people. And there were, it was just, I think we were, like, yeah, I think it was, yeah, I was the only, like, African-American, and she's only, like, Latino, maybe, I think. I'm not really sure. I think it was just us. Yeah. We're always, like, the eyeballs out when we go places. And then so, like, I saw some of the acts. I was like, oh, this is cool, mostly poetry and stuff. And then there was some music, and I was like, okay, well, it's not that scary. We can do something. Okay, we're going to be. 
And then so they had an intermission, they had a break. And then so during the break, I was like, well, maybe I'll sign up, you know. And then so I signed up and then I went to, I was like, I'm going to get my drum from the car. So we went to the, the car to get my drum. And I was like, do you think you want to just keep, would you mind just keeping a beat for me? She was like, uh, I had to like give her a talk and like, it was like, you don't have to do anything else. Just like keep the beat just so I can play off. Yeah. And then she's like, okay. So we did it. And it was a huge hit. Amazing. You know, it went down really well. Um, and then we just, I think we just kept doing that. But we would, like, play every time. Like, not, I don't think we played every day. But because I lived there and the drums were in the house, like, yeah, we would yeah. play all the time. Yeah, so yeah. we we quickly developed our own language. And mind you, I never learned, I never studied drumming during mm-hmm. that time. I just taught myself, put on, like, dance hall. And like just sit in my room in the dorm room, and just and just teach myself drumming. But then when I went to her house, we just develop our own language and our own way and our own style of playing. And that was the beginning. And then there was love. <laughs> and love then there drums. was love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that it's like the music though. That it was through the music. Yeah, so that's kind of what brought you together. Because I didn't know that. I didn't know whether you'd like met each other and were together and then started on your like musical journey together mm-hmm. but music first yeah. Yeah, yeah first latin music and because i was playing in a salsa band okay it's not really like this but in my head in in rutgers when i was at rutgers university because i did you know the salsa band and Gilles and her sister because of, of their positions at the university and the kind of you know the crowd the art crowd and the mm-hmm. social justice crowd like that whole thing I just became part of the Latin court <laughs> if you will yeah, you know yeah. it was like and even the Latin students organ societies and organizations they just are really efficient and they just this big communal feel and vibe mm-hmm. And I was just part of that. And that was something, mm-hmm. you know, like being, well, being, you know, moving from Norfolk State University where I did feel that sense of community. And then moving back home to Rutgers University, a much bigger institution. Um, it just felt really isolating. And um, at Rutgers, I went to the art, the psych kind of like a private art school within Rutgers or mm-hmm. Mason Gross mm-hmm. and it's just really rigorous rigorous um, you know music dance or art depending on what you want so it's really high standard mm-hmm. and it's just kind of isolating and if you are and then me being a mature student coming into that space definitely just completely no kind of community, no kind of camaraderie. Mm. You know, you're in this, you're in concert band with like hundreds of kids, and you barely know the people's name next to you. Mm. You definitely don't know any clarinetists or any other folks' name because like they just don't talk, or mm. you're not part of the group, or you're not part of them. And in this, you know, it was so awkward. And there weren't many of us black folks there, so it just felt like invisible. And mm. so like being. You know, joining the salsa band was like one of the best decisions, life-changing decisions I've ever done. Mm. Um, and it, it immediately, not immediately, but after a while, kind of got into the, found that community through Latin music, through 
Latin culture, predominantly Puerto Rican and Dominican culture. And it was just like, oh, this is, this is, a, this is almost a little, it's even a little bit better than my family too. You know, just how strong their 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 sense of kinship is. It's, it's just really amazing. And I was like, this is what I want. <laughs> so yeah, amazing. And then you just continued on your journeys together when she came with you. Well, I, I after I worked in Trenton for a year, um, I, I quit my job, and I, it was weird because after so many years of studying music and just having different experiences within music, I mean, completely going from historically black university where it's just like, you know, like the, the music you're playing are like the best, you know, soul, hip-hop, R&B stuff, and it's just, you know, meaning and like, ah, you know, going to Rutgers and just playing classical world where, and I just wish, I just wish, if I could do it all over again, I would just not been silly and I would have just done jazz, but I was so scared. I just had like such admiration for musicians who could improvise, and I was just like, oh, not gonna be good enough like i can't do that i'll just do classical because i can Mm. i can figure that out Mm. not realizing that you know i could have just went through and learned it all so i just feel so silly even today i'm just like meh but i know i have to just move on and but that's what you you do now though you improvise yeah improvise but i still you know to this day i've never in my life played a jazz standard i've never in my life Mm played like never performed it um yeah I've, i think i've practiced practiced a jazz standard when i was uh learning from some of my friends who were studying jazz at rutgers um but like my problem was i always was torn between i was double majoring in music uh, performance and education mm-hmm. and at the end of the day i had to make a decision and just and i just chose to do music education because at, at mason gross you, if you major in music education, as soon as you graduate, you're qualified to teach. Right. And so, if you're doing performance, you don't have, you don't have any qualifications to teach. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is that if you're doing performance, you're spending all your days practicing and becoming badass. Yeah. But I wasn't doing that. I was pursuing education, so my time was split. And although mm-hmm. I did practice loads, it just wasn't enough to to go that way with jazz but I wasn't even practicing you know how to use my music as an extension of my voice I was just practicing like you know just classical stuff like excerpts and you know sitting you know like what (laughs) you know practicing all this orchestral stuff where I'm not actually interested in doing that stuff now um anyway yeah so blah I'm sure I could could have done things a little bit differently but now it's not too, it's never too late but yeah. of course you just want instant gratification yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now it's like oh my phd is done i can just you know like get stuck in and do this jazz thing it's like oh you have x amount of time to get this business up and running and and get you know get this business knowledge and 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 vocabulary and you know all this stuff on paper so again i'm just like split between 
you know, managing, organizing, promoting, and booking tours for the band. And then there's time when I could squeeze it in to just do like that practicing. So if I play my cards right in the next year or so, this whole learning how to delegate thing, if I can get it right, we'll be able to have our stuff up and running and we can, and I can take a step back a bit more so I can be more on the creative side. And it's not like, I'm not complaining. It's, it's good to be able to realize it. I am complaining a little bit because I do miss it. And I do want to, you know, get more badass, yeah, you know. Yeah. And then I think that's such a common thing when you, as an art, when you're an artist who creates your own uh, company or thing or festival or, you know, whatever it is, there's, there becomes so much that you have to learn around administration, marketing, fundraising, mm. like all of these kind of things, mm. which when you're an artist and you're like, I'm, I'm doing this because I'm good at the art and I love yeah. the art and I yeah. want to get better at it and yeah. I want to be able to practice it and whether that be theatre, music, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then so much of your time gets taken up with the other. Yeah. It's like, I think, you know, it's less than 50% of my time, I would imagine, is in a rehearsal room or... In yeah. the, or training in a workshop and actually when you find time to actually be training yourself in mm -hmm. um in getting better at the thing that you want to produce with others as yeah, well it's, yeah yeah it's, it's challenging but it's good because even even now that the only reason why we had to even <laughs> is you know because we weren't you know folks were like oh your music is so fusiony what is this it's not this is not that it's not blah 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 i don't know if we can promote you i don't know if we can get your gigs in you know and like jazz northeast ever you know mentioned us in a gig they're like apologizing in their you know like sorry we don't normally promote this stuff like you know, like jazz can't make you dance that's baloney yeah. you know it was like sorry this is a bit you know a bit different you know yeah. but you know we'll still mention it it's like well don't mention it don't do me any favors yeah, <laughs> it's like we'll yeah. apologize for yeah. advertising us you know anyway so yeah we had to just figure our stuff out which 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 the star and shadow is a secret key is a silent partner in our success <laughs> because we've used that venue to you know you know to test out different events test out running things and organizing and promoting things and mm. it's really was was integral in helping us to get our feet on the ground and, and get exposed as well but mm. no the exposure Jilis and I how Jilis and I got popular is by you know going to open mics and yeah. you know yeah. it's all these like singer songwriter la, 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 la. and then it was like okay the, they like mispronounce our names next up to the stage hubble hubble and yell blah, blah, blah. and then we just play these drums and we're like what the freak just happened yeah. yeah well it's exactly like i mean the first time i saw you was at live theater which was part of afro vibes mm -hmm. um so it what it did have more context like you were supporting the soil and um but yeah i'd never i'd never come across you before and it was interesting because again it was like it was a live theatre audience who were all sat around tables with little candles on them <laughs> and in theatre seats. But yet we were, you know, no one thought, well, let's fucking move all the... In the good old days, because I used to work at live theatre, 
uh, and they used to, and the jumping hot club used to do all their gigs there like yeah. they just used to move everything out of the way and it used to be like a like m- kind of crazy mosh pits they used to have loads of mad dub gigs on there oh, really? smoking weed up in the balcony and like, Whoa. it was like it's just all become very gentrified and like lovely yeah. and yeah. the bar used to be like in the theater and people mm. were smoking in there and which wasn't particularly nice but you know yeah. it gave yeah. an atmosphere yeah and it was it just felt like a kind of underground little club mm. um and it was, and the nights were amazing there. And there yeah. used to be some wild dance floors. Yeah. And then we're all sat in in rows. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you and Jalice come on and uh, and start playing. And I was with all the all the women from Mamella, like yeah. the whole cast of Mamella. And we were in the back row in the balcony, so we were like the furthest away from you. And immediately we were all just like boom, like up on our feet, like dancing, like oh my god, oh my god. And I was fil- and I started filming you because I'd I'd literally never seen I'd never seen somebody drum like you've drummed before wow. like ever and Ian's a drummer like not not on um, congas and mm-hmm. things but like a drum kit drummer yeah. oh it's alright hey Aww. oh wow you were asleep a minute ago what happened long yeah <laughs> yeah she's got like boldy bits and long bits she's got she's I like these bits it's like I'm gonna have long bits I'm gonna have the side ball patch on the back um oh you just vomited that was what do you need wrong. like a coffee bit oh yeah I think I've got one. Oh, that's nice right <laughs> it's really high isn't it it's new spring um, anyway, and I remember filming you and like sending it on like a message to Ian, just like, oh my god, check out these drummers, this is amazing. Um, yeah, and then and then you played again impromptu at the thing that we organised at. Um, so we organised the Swallows event at yeah. Stage Street at Northern Stage. That Afro was Vibes. so cool, and it was great. There was just so much like yeah, there was loads of stuff going on, and then. You guys playing at the end, and all the Beko's Quest cast, all the dancers yeah. having a dance off, and like, oh, it was amazing. And being able to support the soil, I mean, God, I've always been a massive mm. fan of the soil. Like, I didn't know anything about them until that gig. Oh, they were amazing. I mean, I did some research to see who they were, but like, obviously, that's like gonna see us on like YouTube. It doesn't really yeah, translate yeah. what the magic yeah. is, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. you have to be there, you yeah. know, and I was like, yeah. And like during during sound check, um they were told they had to go no 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 no. They were not that happy. Um when we met them in, in the sound check and we thought we had to like be there early so we like changed all this stuff around and then um then they still had the sound check so we were like, Okay, we'll just load it and then leave. <laughs> I was like, What? Like what? Like so and then, so we didn't really, we didn't really, like, have, like, hey, how's it going? They were really kind of, like, okay, you know, off, you know, off, kind of, like, we were just, like, yeah. So we didn't really interact much yeah, prior yeah. to us performing. Yeah. And then after we performed, then we kind of, then it was, yeah. like, hey, cool, you know, but I wish it was more, like, hey, you guys yeah, are doing yeah, yeah. So. I think they had, they had a mental schedule, because mm. we were on tour, we were on tour with, with them, but they were, uh, they did loads more venues than we did. Mm-hmm. So 
we kind of met, like we did, I think, mm, seven, six or seven or maybe eight venues around the country. Yeah. And, uh, and they did like millions. So they would be like with us in London and we would stay, be staying in the same hotel and like we would do our show and they would do a gig. And then they would have to like get a train to Glasgow and do one. And then they'd come back to meet us in like Bracknell and then they'd be off somewhere else. And so as we were sort of doing our show and staying there a couple of days and moving on to the next place, doing yeah. the show, staying a few days, moving. And our schedule was full on, but it was like totally manageable. Manageable. Theirs was just like, they were being flown off everywhere. Wow. And they were really making them, basically the festival was making the most of having such a big name like yeah. on the tour. Yeah. But it meant that they were exhausted and they party hard as well. So they like, yes. when they're on tour, they yeah. they are on tour. <laughs> like yeah, they're kind of crazy. Yeah. We had some very mental parties with them in hotels in various places around the country which I'm not allowed to talk about because <laughs> there was some crazy shit that went off some naughty things happened in hotels oh, including dear. some of the cats from, from my show as well I was just like whoa oh my god yeah, had they known each other your cast and no so because and because mamella because the cast of mamella were all mostly community performers Mm -hmm. so before they got involved there was a couple of them that were performers but most of them hadn't performed before they did mamella Mm. and before they did the sort of two years development with us so for them to be on tour with the soil they were like massive fans so Mm. they were completely starstruck and there was another guy whose name I can't remember who was in one of the other shows um, who was, he was also like a big sort of soap star like on the telly in South Africa who okay. was one of the actors so we were, they were also on tour with him yeah. so they were just totally like oh my god we're like on tour with the soil and this famous like telly guy <laughs> and like we're partying with them in hotels and staying up yeah. till you know they yeah and their eyes were open it was like their first time out of mm. South Africa mm. like the youngest was 18, 19 as well, yeah. and you know, really quite had led quite a sort of sheltered life in the yeah. mountains before that. So wow. she like her eyes were open to mm. loads of loads of stuff. It was a quite quite an amazing experience, and for me because I was just like totally starstruck as well. Yeah, and I was like, I'm on tour with the soil. <laughs> I'm partying with the soil. <laughs> Planting seeds yeah. in the soil. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's really see even like things like that now my my thinking and my language is different you know I think I saw I think I I watched the movie The Secret like years and years and years ago and then like it wasn't until this year right before the festival when we were denied our first um our 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 main funding bid for the festival and um just got well it wasn't really down because of that but it was just like a lot of things but yeah it was just getting funding can get you down yeah this is harambe pasadilla for all of you podcast listeners oh Um, yeah if you don't know that's the festival that hannah biel and jilis uh organize in barnard castle yeah which is amazing i can't go this year because i was in labor around that time <laughs> you know you need to treat this festival like jury duty yeah exactly <laughs> bring yeah. it back home yeah. <laughs> but even that that uh just and just like you know just down and just feeling like all right what do we want to do what's going on we need to read but then i was just really like down during that time period and i was just like i can't do this like i can't be super down and still try to make this go and I was like, I need some inspiration. So for some reason, I just stumbled across the secret again. And I was like, 
uh, I'm not really, I don't know if I'll be into audiobooks, whatever. I'll give it a go. Mm. And then I, I called my friend Paco. I'm like, Paco, what do you think of audiobooks? He's like, F audiobooks. He's like, man, you better like pick a book and just read it, you know? Like, cause he, he's, <laughs> he's proper old school, you know? He's like, man, a real book. I was like, okay. And I was like, I'm gonna give it a go anyway. <laughs> and so, you know, just cause I have, always you know in between and trans was yeah, busy yeah, so yeah. i started listening and i was like this stuff makes sense <laughs> so when you were mentioning how these artists you know were on tour you all with the soil yeah. and even the way ah. the inspiration brought went for our festival was kind of like when you're ah. in those spaces ah. or you see those opportunities like you're on the same frequency as these people yeah. so like when you see an amazing thing ah. or if you find out someone else has funding or if you if you happen to be working with an award-winning person or you know it's just letting you know that a you're on the same frequency you're doing the right thing if those things are similar or things that you want to achieve or that you haven't even thought about and it's kind of like the world or life is like giving you a menu of things on what you can have and things that you don't have and even negative experiences, it's just really how do you learn, A, how to do it better, but what are you learning, you know, how to do it better, but now you can identify things, and now you're starting to make a list and, and, a, and a list of experience that you can recognize things beforehand, and yeah. also how to deal with things, and so, you know, us having our festival and, and having these, you know, famous artists come, and also have, you know, young people, and inter, you know, amateur bands, and it's like you're able to fraternize and network yeah. and build this, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. But being on the same frequency. And, and if I hear about somebody nowadays, if I hear about somebody getting, you know, 20,000 pounds to just do R&D, I'm like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Because it's yeah. like, first of all, you can do that? Really? Yeah. <laughs> Second of all, okay, I might do that, you yeah. know. And it's just letting you know versus people immediately being jealous yeah. and how, yeah. how contradicting and how, uh, what is it, counterproductive. Yeah. Like being jealous is counterproductive yeah. oh, and God, it, it really just is. reinforces yeah. negative energy and it, and it sets you up to not achieve as yeah. quickly as you yeah. could and even sometimes to not achieve at all yeah. because you're setting that up and whatever you ask for, you know, it's just going to come to you, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I never understood that whole karma thing. Or, you know, when you're growing up and someone does something bad to you and you tell your parents and they're like, well, don't worry, it's going to come back to them. You're like, no, I want to see it now. It's the <laughs> yeah. gratification. Yeah. Let them fall down in front of me, you know, like. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, you know, they're like, well, all of these people who are doing all this bad stuff to people, they're not happy, you know? Yeah. But it's like, well... Do they even, A, do they know that because of what they did three years ago or yesterday, this thing is happening to them? Like, yeah. I'm like, they need to know. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. I need to show, you know, that kind of, I had that, that sense of thinking. And, and since listening to The Secret, it's like what you put out there is going to come back. And you need to just operate from a place of love. Yeah. And even to say that love, it, it took a yeah. while for me to even be able to get that. You know, because it sounds really yeah, fluffy yeah, yeah. and, and it, know, it could it's... also have little, you know, it can mean little if you don't really 
understand what that means and and like my mom always said words have power words are like "Eh, flip flop but now like and it's like the secret is it's kind of like what all religion is saying it's the exact same thing that all religions are saying but just in a more scientist-y way so it's for people who (laughs) i think it's for people who want to believe in that something you know more but it's more science it's about science and you know, it's so, so cool. Oh, I'm so I should cool. listen to it or read it. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So there's like the secret, and then there's like the next book. But I mean, obviously, if you don't like listening to weird voices, you just get the book. Yeah. And then her <laughs> second bit is power. And then one of the speakers was this woman, Lisa Nichols, and she's just like amazing. And she taught in like her book I'm reading now is called Abundance Now. Yeah. And it's like, how do you acquire abundance and it has to do with you know it's a lifestyle change you know and it's even doing a phd it was so frustrating and so difficult and so depressing at points (laughs) and and like just so hard and it was so hard because i never grew up with the you know like you know i think education is a lifestyle you know it's you know like it's for families that just send their kids to school and like when you come home there's no kind of structure or thing to like you know have it my mom worked all the time so it was like my sister my older sister pretty much took care of us all the time and she's not sitting down like just with a book you know and she's like yeah you know yeah yeah. (laughs) so i think that if i when i if i have kids or if i adopt or i don't know what's gonna happen i really want to just create that space you know make it you know like it's a lifestyle and even even if we can just teach our kids from little, from young that there's an abundance. You don't have to be jealous about somebody. If something's happened to someone else, it just means that. And if you have privy to either be an earshot of hearing it or being there to witness, it just means it's A, showing you what is possible. Mm-hmm. And it's showing you that you're on the right page because you're surrounding yourself by these people. Mm-hmm. And it's not, and like to just kind of get rid of this jealousy kind of thing. It's like, well, what can I do? Yeah. What do I need to do to change that? Yeah, and it's yeah, just like, yeah. how do we instill that at a young age so then yeah. we can, you know, so then I think that's what the big change is. We kind of we can instill that in ourselves and then try to instill that in our kids i think that is the secret i mean that's the key for like loads of people even like there's some people the other day i was i was telling somebody i was like i was just like four hundred thousand pounds they're like yeah right i'm just like i mean like just go big or go home really but i mean obviously in our in our with within our in our, our kind of like society here in newcastle and the art community and this whole thinking i think we kind of we kind of shun super mainstream stuff and super glossy things and the idea of loads of money i think because of people and the things that happen in those kind of positions are it's they can be quite negative and it's quite you know dog eat dog world i mean look at our president well yeah Theresa may plus uh trump I mean, and but to be teaching completely opposite from the secret and like the power of intention to be leading from fear yeah. and, and and selfishness and yeah. just you know like hatred. Yeah. I mean, that's complete opposite to what yeah. is and that and that creates scarcity. So in that kind of competitive yeah. world is really weird. That's why I went with Julius and I went 
our business advisor at Newcastle University said, all right, you know, list all your uh, comp- competitors. You know, you're creating this new business. You know, yeah, did you, yeah. you know, do the research, find all your competitors. And I list all these music venues, da 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 All right, now, who are your collaborators? And I list the same people, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm not, I mean, we're not interested in competing. You know, we're interested in collaboration. And... And that's just it, really, you know? How do we create this community where it's about collaboration and not scarcity? Like, there's just plenty of opportunity for all of us, especially if we unify about the the fair wages, you know, off the the books, the the off-the-books fair wages, you know, that we do for our mates and or we do for that restaurant owner who is opening up and who needs some entertainment, you know? She, yeah, she's even upset about it. Yeah. <laughs> Too right. Well, that's very inspiring words. Yeah. Very inspiring words. Aww. Yeah. Wouldn't it wouldn't the world be a better place if we could all read that book? <laughs> Everyone go and read this book. We don't know who it's by. If anyone knows, tweet Shonda us. Shonda <laughs> Rhimes. Is it? Shonda Ooh, Rhimes? Shonda Rhimes. Oh, uh, let me see. I could tell you. It's the secret. Yeah, it's nice when you read something that sort of validates what you already feel and believe, but mm. then it puts it into kind of more intelligible words than you would be able to explain. You yes. know, like somebody asks you to kind of explain your like ethos in the way that you live in the world. Yes. And you're a bit like, oh God, I find that really difficult to articulate. Yeah, exactly. But then someone else has done it really well in a piece of literature or whatever. Yeah. It's like, right, good. Yeah. It's Rhonda, Bri- was it Brian or Brian? Oh, you're so excited! <gasps> oh, let me see. Ooh. How would you pronounce her name? Um, Rhonda Byrne. Yeah, Rhonda Byrne. Like I B-Y. like Shonda Rhimes. I'm sure that's another. Just definitely not the right person. <laughs> I think she's like <laughs> amazing. Right, we should probably leave it there because we've been yeah. talking for ages. But um, that was really inspiring. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you for coming over. No, thanks for having yes. us. Aww. Yeah, you've enjoyed having a good old scream. Hello. Hello. Yeah. We had our first big festival together. <laughs> Uh, I really enjoyed talking to Hannah Abiel. Um, it was lovely, and we had a lovely moment afterwards, which I will put on um, Instagram or Twitter or something as well, of uh, her doing some beatboxing for Ella, um, which Ella utterly enjoyed. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's a really cute video of them two together um, busting some some beats. Um, so if you haven't already, please do subscribe to the podcast. If you go to ACAST, um, www.acast.com forward slash kiss my art and subscribe, then you will always know when there's a new episode coming out. Uh, also, we're on Stitcher, which is www.stitcher.com. Uh, if you search on there for kiss my arts as well. Um, I hope that you're enjoying the podcast. Do let me know on Twitter what you think, if there's anyone else you think that I should be talking to, or if you are an artist listening and you think, oh, I would like to have a conversation with Amy and Ella, then let me know. Um, Yes, 
So we're going to be doing some more over the next few months. Uh, there's just a few more that we recorded kind of over the summer that are to be released. And then we're going to be out and about having more conversations with more people. Um, so there seems to be an appetite for it, which is great. People seem to be listening. So please do continue to share and subscribe and like and all of those things. Great. Take care. Let's hope that um, Hurricane Ophelia doesn't do too much damage tonight. So um, everybody sleep well. Look after yourselves. Bye.